continuing in the book of Acts, and we skipped a little bit at the end of chapter 9, um, which you can go back and read. And so two weeks ago, we were talking about Saul's conversion, right? How Saul met Jesus on the road to Damascus. And then here, um, what is happening in the beginning of Acts chapter 10 um, is really fascinating. So it starts with um, actually a vision or an angel appears to this guy named Cornelius, which is just a fantastic name. Um, just as far as that goes, one of the better biblical names, I think. But um, the Bible tells us that he was a devout, God-fearing man, and, um, but he was a Roman. He was a Roman centurion. He was a Roman soldier. And so um, he, he's this guy who knows God but hasn't heard about Jesus yet. He knows of the Jewish traditions and everything. He was what we would consider a, a, a Jewish Gentile or a Hellenistic, a Greek or a Roman Jew which Acts talks about. We know there's lots of these people around who have sort of converted to Judaism, but they're not Jewish people, right? They're not ethnically Jewish. And, and so he has this vision saying, you need to send your men to go find this guy, Simon, called Peter, and hear what he has to say. And so that's when our story sort of picks up, that um, these men are going to find Simon Peter, and then our story tonight that we just read is Peter's side of the timeline, right? You know how sometimes you have a TV show or a movie where it starts with one side of the timeline and then it jumps across? And we're going to look at Peter's sort of side of what was happening. And so it starts in verse 9. It says, Scripture tells us that Peter goes up on the roof to pray at noon. Uh, what's interesting about this, some of you may not have known this, some of you maybe did. Um, the Orthodox Jewish tradition was actually to pray at set times throughout the day. Um, this is how they were able to catch Daniel praying to God when he wasn't supposed to pray to any other gods or things like that. Um, much like the nation of Islam does today, if you've ever been in a Muslim country, um, Orthodox Jewish tradition and many Jews today still pray at set times throughout the day. And so it's noon, and this is one of those times, so Peter goes up to pray, and he was waiting for the, the midday meal to be prepared, and, and, and Scripture tells us that he falls asleep, and, and he has a vision. And this vision is very well known in Scripture. If you've been a Christian for a while, you've probably heard this story before. If not, don't worry, I'll still explain it. Um, there's this giant sheet, giant piece of paper, giant bed sheet. I'm not really sure what kind of sheet, but there's this giant sheet, and it's lowered down from heaven, from the heavens, and on it, it says there are all kinds of animals, all kinds of animals. And this voice says, Peter, get up, kill, and eat. Now, there's a problem with this, though. First of all, it's just a very silly thing to happen, right? Okay, Peter, this is your vision. Go kill some animals, right? It's a little odd. But there was things happening. See, Peter is Jewish. And as many of us maybe have encountered people from, from the Jewish faith or, or know the background, um, there were lots of animals that the Jews considered unclean, things that they just would not, could not, and, and did not eat for many reasons. It's throughout the Old Testament. Um, you can find the regulations, if you're really curious, in Leviticus chapter 11 uh, and also Deuteronomy chapter 12, if you're so curious. Um, but there's lots of rules. And, and a lot of these things centered around um, fish without scales, right? So shellfish is, is a no-no. Um, animals with, what, what are the rules? Like there's basically pigs, right? Can't have pigs. Um, and, but there's all these animals on the sheet. And the voice says to Peter, it's okay. You can eat these things. And Peter says, no, I, I can't do that, right? I can't do that. I've never done that. <laughs> to me, sorry, I don't mean to laugh um, so loud. But um, the, the first thing we always think about, right, 
is, um, at least I always do, is, is I think of bacon, right? Like, if you've ever met an Orthodox Jewish person, like, you've never had bacon. Now, I don't know how you feel about bacon. Um, some people in this room might be vegetarians. You may be really healthy eaters and think, oh, I never touch bacon. Um, I respect that and completely understand. However, let me say unequivocally, my pastoral opinion is that bacon is amazing, and it's delicious, and it's good for you. And so... And, 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 and so Peter's never had bacon. Peter's never had shellfish. Peter's never had these things. And it's like God going to him and saying, hey, Peter, um, have some bacon-wrapped shrimp. Go and eat bacon-wrapped shrimp, which also, if you've never had bacon-wrapped shrimp, let me just tell you, it is so phenomenal. And I know I have a problem with food and I'm working on it, but let me tell you, it is so, so good. So, so anyways, Peter gets this vision. And God is telling him, hey, um, you can eat these things now. And, and, and Peter's devout, though. Peter is committed to this. Peter has done this his whole life. This isn't just something he picked up in his 20s and it was a fad and it was cool to not eat bacon. No, this, is, this was his life. This was ingrained in him. His parents had never done this. His community had never done this. This was a huge deal. And so his response was what? Surely not, Lord. Verse 14, I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. And then the voice speaks to him a second time with something amazing. Verse 15, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. And then verse 16 tells us this happened three more times, or three times total, happens three times. He says, Peter, take and eat. No, Lord, I don't eat anything unclean. Peter, take and eat. No, Lord, I do not. Like, Peter, take and eat. And so there Peter is, it tells us, after three times, he is wondering, verse 17, about this vision. What do I do with this vision? Does this mean, like, I can finally go eat pigs? Like, I don't understand this. I, I've spent my whole, why would God give me this vision? This is so odd. And while he's thinking about it, trying to figure it out, some guys show up. These guys, Cornelius and I, the Hellenistic or Gentile Jewish person. And they're sent to Peter's house, and, and, and they knock on the door. And then while he's sort of working this stuff out, verse 19 tells us the Holy Spirit said to him, Simon, these men are looking for you. Verse 20, so get up, go downstairs, because remember, he's up on the roof praying. And he says, do not hesitate, but go with them, for I have sent them. And so then he comes down and says, hey, I'm the one you're looking for. What's up? What do you need? I'll figure out this vision later, right? Why don't you tell me? What do you guys need? I'm here for you. And they say, well, we've come from this guy, Cornelius, and um, he said that he wants to hear what you have to say. And so because of the Holy Spirit's prompting, because he's Peter and, and maybe we're supposed to follow his example, he says, okay. They come in and be his guests, and then they go off the next day to go see Cornelius and see what happens. What's amazing about this, there's a lot of amazing things about this passage. And the story continues. And let me just encourage you all to read the rest of the story on your own this week. We don't have time to go through all of it. Otherwise, we'll just be reading a ton of stuff. But just keep reading. I want to jump ahead and just tell you what happens. I'm going to ruin the story for you. But then go ahead and read it. As the story continues, he goes with him to his house. He goes to this guy Cornelius' house. And when he gets there, he says to them in verse 28, You are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. Oh, so good. Peter figured out what the vision meant by the next day. 
but God has shown me that I should not call anyone inferior. Good question. So <laughs> in immediate, I'm thinking, oh man, Peter's vision wasn't about bacon-wrapped shrimp. What a bummer. But no, it was about something much, much different. See, God was using this representation of shellfish and birds and reptiles and animals to represent something much, much bigger for his servant, Peter. And so what I want to present to us tonight and just for us to think about for the next few minutes is three things. Three things that we can learn from Peter's vision for ourselves. Right? I think this vision was about these three things. It was about the calling placed on Peter's life. It was about the calling God placed on his life. It was about God's plan, that God's plan is actually for everyone. And it was about our own hearts and how we can learn about ourselves. So it's about God's calling, God's plan, and it's about our own hearts. And so when I say the word calling, what am I talking about? I'm not talking about your vocation. We all have different jobs, and those are going to change throughout our lives. We're going to do different things at different times. What I'm talking more about when I say calling is like our, our gifts that God has given us, the things that really bring us life, right? The things God has placed on your heart that you're passionate about, where it doesn't matter if you're working as a school teacher or you're working at the kiosk or you're, you know, you know digging holes for a living. This is something you're going to do no matter what, right? So, you know, I just looked up at Charlie, right? Charlie's an engineer, but, but, but Charlie also loves music. And whether Charlie's an engineer or, again, digging holes for a living, m music is going to be part of his life. Right. For me, it's teaching the Bible. For me, it's uh, helping people understand the word of God. Right. I've worked at Starbucks. I've worked in grocery stores. I have worked um, digging holes. <laughs> I've done all sorts of things in my life. But my calling is to help people understand the word of God that I love so much. And I've always loved it. And so when we think about this word calling, I want you to think about when we look at what God is doing in our lives. God has called us to things that are often much bigger than we anticipate. See, Peter thought his calling was from Jesus, as Jesus told him, is I'm going to build my church on you. But up until this point, it's been all Jewish people. Yes, there were the Samaritans, but they were still Jewish. right? It's been all Jewish people who have come to Christ. There have been no Gentiles who have come to the faith in Jesus yet that Acts records. And so all of his preaching was to people like him. All of his preaching was to his community and, 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 and his background and people he was comfortable with. He was, I'm sure, he was very uncomfortable with it. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. But his understanding of his calling was probably just, okay, I'm going to stay in Jerusalem, I'm going to stay in Israel, I'm going to preach to people, and this is going to be good. And then all of a sudden, God gives him this calling to go do something just a little bit crazy. Go with these Gentiles and go to their house. You know, you may know your gifts, you may know the things you're passionate about, what you're good at, what brings you joy? But when it comes to your calling, when it comes to what God has called you to do, let me encourage you tonight, do not limit yourself. Do not ever think, oh, well, God, God would never use me to do that. Uh, I might, you know, I kind of feel like maybe I should do this, uh, but God would never do that. Do not ever do that. Church, we have no idea what God can do with us and through us. And I have found that there's a million reasons why we try to limit ourselves. Maybe it's a fear of failure. Maybe it's a desire to be comfortable, right? Like we find the one or two things we're good at, and we're just like, okay, I'm just going to stay here. 
I'm just going to stay in this sweet spot where it's comfortable and it's easy and it's good and it's not really challenging my heart. But God's calling on our life is not meant to be easy and comfortable. Right? I'm really sorry if you became a Christian or, by the way, if you're not a Christian or I don't identify as a Christian, um, this isn't going to be the best advertisement for it. But sometimes when we become Christians, people tell us our lives is going to get really easy and it's going to get awesome and, and, and everything is going to be roses and rainbows for the rest of our life. Um, and, and that's just not true. <laughs> when we explore our calling, God is going to stretch you. God is going to ask you to go to your limits. God is going to ask you to do things that are difficult, that cost you something. Right? It's going to cost you your time, your energy, your effort. And all you have to do is ask a Christian who's been a Christian a little longer than you or a little bit more mature than you, who's been down the road, and they will say, yes, God's calling made me wildly uncomfortable. Did it grow me? Absolutely. Was it good for me? You bet. Did I eventually get comfortable? Yes. But it often starts out being very uncomfortable, very awkward. Like Peter going into the house of a Gentile, maybe for the first time ever in his life. It probably was a little uncomfortable. Which leads me to my second point about our story. It's about expanding our idea of calling, and it's also about expanding our idea of what God's plan is. We need to understand that God's plan is for everyone here. You know, you've all heard the phrase, if you haven't, I'll share it with you, you know, that we make plans and God laughs, right? It's funny because I know it's true. Uh, I'm just going to give you some highlights from my own life about my own plans. And some of you who know a little bit about my story, you can see what I'm getting at. As a teenager, I grew up in California mostly. And um, <laughs> I remember as a teenager asking, my brother had gone away to college, and I remember praying to God, God, never take me away from California. And then, and then I was in college, and I remember praying to God, God, I do not want to go into ministry. I do not want to work in the church. That sounds horrible. And then I said, well, okay, God, I'll be a youth pastor, but I don't want to go to seminary, and I don't want to become a real pastor. And then I told God, after seminary, my plan was to finish seminary and become a professor or a teacher. There's no way I want to work in a church anymore. I'm sick of working in churches. And then I told God, when I had my job before this in Colorado, I love Colorado. Lord, never take me from this place. See a pattern here? We make plans and God just smiles at us and says, oh, you're so cute. You know, I love you, but you have no idea what I can do. And we think that God works in one way and we think that God works with one type of people or that people need to assimilate to some plan that God has. But in reality, God's plan is for everyone. We all have plans, we all have dreams, and we think we know what God is doing, but we have no idea what God is after. See, Peter probably, I'm just guessing here, but Peter probably did not see himself preaching to Gentiles. But in the story, as the story goes on, actually they hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and Cornelius and his family all become followers of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit comes down and they start practicing the gifts of the Holy Spirit and then they're amazed because they're like, wait a minute, you guys are Gentiles and you have the Holy Spirit. They did not see that coming. And they're sitting around basically saying, look at what God can do. In our psalm, Chris read, Show me, O seven, the wonders 
your great love. See, when we understand that God's plan is bigger and more loving and it's for everyone, then we're able to step out of the things that make us comfortable. We're able to go into these areas that we've never thought possible before and see the wonders of God's love and see people changed and see God redeem the most vile, most evil thing we can imagine and we see God heal and redeem them. God's plan is usually a lot bigger, wider, and scarier than our own plan, and that's okay. So you and I, we need to be aware of our calling. And we need to understand that our calling might be bigger than we think. And we also need to understand that God's plan is for everyone. And it's going to come across in different ways than we see. Because God's plan and God's love is for all people. And lastly, to embrace these two things, to understand how big our calling can be and to understand how much God loves everyone, I think you and I, we need to examine our hearts. I think we need to be honest with ourselves and realize that we are the problem. See, go back to Peter's vision. It says, and I had never really remembered this until I just read this recently again. This happened three times. Back and forth. No, God, I don't need anything unclean. Peter, eat. No, God, I don't need, Peter, eat. Three times. But God, I don't know. Peter, just eat. See, you and I, we really like being comfortable in our own ways. We really like being set in our ways and the things we're comfortable with. We like to come to a, a certain level of understanding and then just stay there, right? Okay, I've decided what I believe about this. I've decided what I believe about this. I've decided what I believe about these people, these types of people, these sorts of people, and I'm just going to stay here. I'm not going to ever venture outside of these things because that makes me uncomfortable. I'm just going to stay here. I've figured it out. No need to open up that cookie jar. But Scripture tells us all sorts of things like, you know, God's alive. The Holy Spirit's always at work. Scripture is alive and active. All of these things are constantly moving and growing. And, and when we look at what God is doing in this world, God is constantly giving us new gifts and challenging us and stretching us. And, and we need to be able to investigate and, and examine our hearts to see, are we actually listening to what God is doing? Are we actually stopping and listening to what God might be doing in our lives and how he might be calling us to do something a little different and a little scarier than before? Because in this instance, if Peter is not listening to God, if Peter is not praying on the roof, if Peter is not listening for the Holy Spirit, he would not have this vision. He would not have been listening to God to, to, to go with these Gentile men. He would not have been the person God had called him to be. And when I look at this, I know Peter had an excuse not to associate with Gentiles. None of the Jews did. It would have been easy for him to say, no, sorry, guys, I can't. Or let's meet at a neutral location. I'm still trying to work out this vision I had, so I'm still trying to figure this out. I mean, Peter had every excuse in the world. But when I look at this, and, and, and I might be leaping here, but I, I felt convicted to share this too. When I looked at this, I also saw that, you know what, there probably, there probably was some prejudices in Peter's heart. Imagine if you had thought your whole life a certain group of people was unclean. I mean, you're going to build up some prejudices. You're going to build up some judgments. You're going to build up some things you might think about a people. And he had to trust that what God was doing was different than what he saw. If we read through Acts, this happens a lot when all these cultures in the first century start to clash. 
different ethnic groups, different races, if you want to use that term, people of different skin color, people of different backgrounds. They started to contrast and they started to contradict. And what God and the Holy Spirit did was show his servants that these things do not matter. But the Holy Spirit comes upon Jews. The Holy Spirit comes upon Gentile. The love of Jesus is for the Jew. It is for the Gentile. It is for the Roman. It is for the Greek. It is for the slave. It is for the free. It is for the man. It is for the woman. It is for all. And Peter, I really believe this, probably had to examine his own heart. Imagine that. This is the first time I'm about to walk into a Gentile's house. That's not fair. And we are called to do the same. Because you and I, God can do anything with us. God's plan is for all people. The only thing happening, or the only thing stopping these things from being enacted and and from, from the love of God going out to our neighbors and to the people we associate with is you and I. I believe God is making all things clean. God is making all things new. God is here to restore his creation. We're not just waiting for heaven. We're not just trying to endure life and wait for heaven. God is in the midst of restoration and new life and rebirth. And if God is actually doing that, if God is actually seeking to make all things clean, we need to remember that God has saved you and God has saved me. And I don't know about your heart, but when I think about myself, and I think if God can save me, if God can save me and and all the things I've thought about and all the things I've done and all the things my family has done and God has restored me, he can save me. If God has saved you and God has saved me, then we know for a fact that God's love and God's plan is for everyone. And you and I are the only things limiting his gospel from going out to the far ends of the earth. And so when we think about the vision of the sheep with Peter, when we think about the animals, it's not about food, even though I love food so, so much. We need to remember that God desires to make all things clean, that God desires to renew all of his creation, and that you and I are blessed to be a part of this process, that God gives you a gifting, God gives you calling, God reveals his heart to to you of how he loves everyone. And then gives us the gift to go to him in prayer and in repentance and to examine our own hearts so that we would become more like Christ in loving our neighbors. So for you and for me, let's remember these things. Let's remember that God has given us the blessing of a calling on our lives and spiritual gifts. Let's remember that God's plan is for us, but also our neighbor and the people we might think are unclean. And let's remember that as we go through this process, we need to be examining our hearts. We need to be testing and examining our hearts to see if we are the ones actually causing the problem. And let's take into life, what, let's think, what might we be called to? What more might God be asking of me? What more can I do to love my neighbor? What more can I do to stretch the way God has gifted me? so that my heart would become more and more and more and more and more like Jesus. Because that is why we are here. That is why we are here. If you're just here to come and listen to good songs and feel encouraged and be like, great, I'm good till the next Sunday and I can make it to the next week and it'll be a good week. You're missing out. God is here to change you. God comes and joins us in worship to change your very heart that you would go out into the world and be like him. Not so that you can come and feel good. And and if you are encouraged and you come here and you feel good, I'm happy about that. 
but God's doing work that's much bigger and much scarier than we think. But as someone who's been a Christian um, enough years, 25 years, I guess now, 27 years now, whatever it is, I can look at the Lord and see God has done some scary things in my life. But as I said, I thought I'd never leave California, and here I am, still in one piece. God will do a great work in us today. Let us give him our hearts and our very lives so that we can see the miracles we have. Lord, thank you for Peter's vision. Lord, thank you for the blessings of, of all the things you give us. But Lord, thank you for also revealing to us that your plan is far bigger and more loving than ours. God, I pray that you would reveal to us our prejudices, that you would reveal to us the ways we limit you. I pray that you would, as we examine our hearts, that you would convict us of the things we do and say that do not reflect you and your love for people. God, I pray that we would have the courage of Peter and enter into areas we are just not really sure about. And Lord, that the whole time we would be trusting in you for our provision and our care. Lord, thank you. Thanks for who you are and all you're doing in our lives. We pray this in Christ's name.